Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sister to Sister, the weekly show presented by Women's Prosperity Network that shines a light on what racism looks like every day in America in the lives of people of color. And it's my pleasure to be here today uh, with the fabulous Sydney Allen. I am Trish Carr, one of the co-founders of Women's Prosperity Network, and I always try to pick the most interesting people. And Sydney is truly interesting where she comes from a varied background, um, having been an intuitive all her life, like, I would love to be more intuitive. I wonder if that's something you can learn. You can tell me about that for sure. <laughs> um, she's been intuitive all her life and her business soul energies aligned as well as, do you still do Scott's treasures? Um, I, I haven't been doing much of the jewelry lately. Yeah, but she it's does still jewelry. It's worth mentioning. She does this beautiful uh, jewelry that's all about the energy, which is really what... <laughs> Um, Sydney's goal in life is to make a difference for people by tapping, helping them, showing them and working with them to tap into the energy that we all have so that we can create the what we want in our life. And like I said, she's got a really varied background. She has worked at the State University of New York in Albany, uh, which is uh, where she lives in that general area in upstate New York beautiful place in the mountains, you lucky woman. <laughs> nice place to live. Yes. Um, she's yes. also worked with herbs and teas and has a background in that. And like I said, in her uh, soul energies aligned business, she makes a, a difference for people. She also does card readings, which we're going to do one of those because as we are doing this uh, discussion together today, it's a full moon. And uh, so what's and the lunar eclipse? Yeah, and the lunar eclipse. So did the lunar eclipse happen last night or is it tonight? Um, I don't, I honestly don't remember the yeah. exact hour. So for the Eastern time zone, I'm, I'm not sure where we yeah, fell, but we're in the energy morning. for the next three days. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was, um, I saw on TV, it was 4.30 in the morning Monday. So it must've been the overnight. Yeah, so it's just a few hours ago. And we live in that energy for the next three days? Yes. So what's yes. the significance of that? Like the energy of a lunar eclipse? The energy of a lunar eclipse is like taking the energy of the full moon and turbo boosting it. It's, it's bigger, it's deeper, and it lasts much longer. You, there, are, there are parts of that energy that are around you and in you for oh, upwards of six months. Wow. Whereas as opposed to just its biggest punches in the next, you know, in the next three days of a regular full moon, but it's like, um, it's almost like a painting that has an undercurrent of a color that that, that, um, that lunar energy stays with us and we can keep working with it to balance what we're looking to balance or to, you know, release what we need to release. Because with the full moon, your energy is mostly all filled up. Um, I had a teacher at a beautiful description of saying, imagine it, you had a cup of water that was full to the brim. And then you took a pitcher and you poured water in that cup. Those are your full moon emotions. So you're overflowing. You're just overflowing. 
And sometimes that's overwhelm and sometimes that's just just like overflowing, like a like like a huge flower opening up. Just like oh, it's cool. more and it's more. So now would be the time to go for the things that you want and for speaking your mind and for just putting yourself yes. out there. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. A lot of times enjoy that. Yes. Yes. It's the fruition. It's what's, it, it's, it's what's bubbling up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that because I, I wasn't uh, sure what the full moon significant was, but yeah. it seems like it's something we definitely want to tap into the next three days for sure. Yeah. So thanks for that. And thanks for being here. I really- No, you're very welcome. It. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. You know, you and I were talking about growing up in New York City. You grew up in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I grew up in Brooklyn and moved to um, Long Island and back to Queens. You too, Queens, right? Yeah, I lived in Queens all my, you know, until I went to college. But right. I went, you to, went school to school in Manhattan, in Manhattan right? Yeah, you went to high school, school in Manhattan. And so, and now you live in upstate New York. So I know that there's a a difference. Like I know for me that growing up in New York, although I lived in a white neighborhood. I went to school with people of varying backgrounds, mostly uh -huh. uh, other white girls, Puerto Ricans, and a, probably 10% black, but I rode the subway every day, yeah. right? I, you know, it was like literally to go to school, I took the bus and the subway. So I was surrounded by all kinds of different brown, beige, blue, green, yellow people, right? Yeah. Um, and then I moved to Florida and it was very different. I'm sure you experienced <laughs> something like that when you moved to upstate New York. Yeah, upstate is is um, um, quite a bit more homogenous. There's, there, mm, I mean, there's, there's in office settings in the cities, you you have you have more of more of a mix. But I was, I definitely found myself having the experience of being the only one in many more settings than I did growing up growing up in New York City. And and so many more people where this was all they knew. Mm. You know, Manhattan, even though it's only 150 miles away, was like another planet. Yeah. Another yeah. planet. Well and I and, remember you telling me you mentioned to me that when you first moved upstate that when you would be driving that oftentimes there would be a cop car following you? Yeah, there are some high-end neighborhoods that in that um, as you as I would drive through, if um, you know I was alone, I would notice that. I would notice right. that. It wasn't it wasn't being pulled over, but I would notice that that they were there. And it would be interesting because they'd be neighborhoods where I would go through them when I was with somebody white and it didn't happen. Yeah. That was what, that was what, you know, was mm -hmm. the tip off, you know, like, oh, don't stop here. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny. I, I, it's not funny. And I hear that uh, often, you know, we always hear mm. about um, black men being targeted, if you will, by the police yeah. and followed by the police, et cetera. But you don't hear it in 
you know, the, the normal ways you hear about things, the media, you know, that women too deal with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There yeah. are, you know, there's, there's a whole host of other assumptions. It's not necessarily that being perceived as dangerous the way black men are perceived as dangerous yeah. um but that that's that not being welcome is 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 very clear yeah and i noticed that when my mother came to visit there was you know certain certain shops and she was actually more acute to it than i was that um, you know, coming out in the parking lot one time and just turning to me and said, don't ever, don't you ever bring me in there again. <laughs> and I was like, what do you, you know, it was the being watched every time you stopped and picked something up. At a retail store? Yeah. 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 I don't know. You I've know, heard that was... before. I've heard that before. Yeah. Uh, Simone, um, when we talked, uh, See Simone uh, Rivers. She was sharing uh -huh. experience. I know you know Simone. Uh -huh. Those experiences that she had that she shared about being in a retail store and how she, she wasn't, first of all, she wasn't even offered, can I help you? Can I help you? Right. Exactly. Which was something also I didn't really know. I never heard that, but uh, Lawana Bradford, who you may know, also introduced uh -huh. me to that concept. She said, you know, when you walk into a store, you have to beat the salesman away. No, I don't need any yeah. help. Leave right. me alone. She goes, I would be so happy if somebody would say, can I help you to me? But the only uh -huh. time they do is when I'm with a white girlfriend. Right. Yep. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that you see day in and day out, right? It's not that yes. people are in your face calling you racial epithets. It's that these no. little insidious, and your mother sees it more. Why do you think your mother sees it more than you do? Uh, I think my, uh, because my mother, my mother came up in segregation, you know, and uh, where that was, so she, um, so she had a much, keen, she has a much keener keener view of it yeah. you know her experiences were much more in your face I mean you know I remember her telling me about walking into a department store when my brother was was young like uh, you know maybe five or younger and um the salesperson coming up to her and asking for her note wanting to know where her note this was in the late 40s, late 40s, um, of her note from her white employer. That it was that she was there to buy something for her white employer? That was their, their feeling was that was the only reason she would, that was the only acceptable reason as to why she would be in, you know, why else would she be in there? You know, wow. my father was a professional, my, but, it, but that was inconceivable. Yeah, that your father would be a professional. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're either a housekeeper or working in a restaurant or something right. like that. So yeah. how so then growing up with your mom and dad who experienced racism at a much more uh, keen level, like you said. 
So what was it like for you in terms of that? Like, did how did they educate you, socialize you? Was it something uh, they talked about? Because obviously- Oh like, yeah, my father was a prominent civil rights leader in, in New York in the 60s and well, throughout. Um, but throughout his life, if he was yeah, a, yeah, and he was so an he was an activist. I was raised, I was raised that it, I was raised on the wrongness, and you can't judge a book by its cover, and all of this stuff about equality. And but I, I think they did it too well. <laughs> I kind of exceeded their expectation <laughs> because I didn't feel the sense of, I didn't feel the sense of danger. I didn't feel the sense. I took them at their word. Right. And that all of these other things were happening because these people were idiots. And I was sorry they were idiots, but I didn't, I, um, it, um, because I grew up in, I grew up in a predominantly white European environment. I grew up in an international school, but the, but the majority of students um, were, were from somewhere else, but the, um, you know, the predominantly they were white. Yeah, well, the international school, they're all from other countries. Yes. Yeah. There um I don't I used to joke that I didn't really learn all 50 states the idea of that people really lived in all 50 states until I was in college. <laughs> because you were with people from all different countries. Right. I could I could go anywhere in the world, but I only knew people in, in the US in three different states. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you had all of this socialization from your parents, but you didn't really experience it because you were living in a diverse uh, area. Right. And you were and treated differently because of your color in the UN International School. No, there was a difference. It wasn't, it wasn't perceived by me. There was, in hindsight, there were definitely those teachers who actually the way it was transmitted was a lower expectation. Oh. You know, they're um, not, not they, you know, any, any <laughs> kind of like anything I accomplished was this huge surprise. And you didn't see that with other kids. No, there were other kids who were doing a lot or, or being asked to do a whole lot more, um, and I think I that it's a real danger in children because you're much more susceptible to taking it personally. Yeah, that it's not about, and it's also I think that happens anywhere where they're not there's that when you're one of few. you don't necessarily see it as, as happening to you because of a group that you belong to. 
I, um, in not seeing it happen to other children, to other kids, it didn't say to me that it was because I was black. It, it, it just, was just, it was just individuals that it didn't happen to, yeah. you know. Well, it's funny you say in hindsight, like you didn't see yes, it, was, it. but you know, what your teachers think of you, what your leaders think of you. I mean, we rise to the level of expectation and yet you were able to rise beyond their low expectation. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Well, I definitely attribute that to my family. Yeah. Because, you know, education was everything. There was no... There was, there was no not going to college. That was, there was no more not going to college and there was not brushing my teeth. Right. You know, um, my huge act of rebellion was to not go to graduate school. Wow. That's a common stereotype that education, you know, isn't necessarily something that you see people of color, well, Black people but, in particular, uh-huh. right? But in in other cultures, it's an expectation, but people don't realize it's an expectation of, of your parents and where your parents came from. And because your father was a right. principal, it was something that was important to him. Right. To your mom. Right. Anyway. So then you you left New York, and that's when things you started to see on a regular basis. I started to see racism. Yeah. It was it was made it was made clearer to me. I was also in settings where I there there were I was part of a group of other people of, of other black people, and not just other people of color, but and could see that difference. And people and people shared those stories. There's a when there's a there's a there's both a safety net and and a um, and a danger in that being one of the only ones. You know, um, I mean, there was a certain amount of privilege I got from that. Yeah, and you know that you know, like the exotic flower type thing. But there was, there was also, there was also what I realized later, uh, there was an isolation in that. There was an unawareness, like things that I, that I honestly believed were specific to my family that was part of a whole culture that I wasn't, I wasn't participating in. So give me an example of that. Oh, I knew that was coming and I was yeah, like, and now, like, right now, all the things I can that. think of are the ones that right. were, um, you know, I can't, I can't think of one right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because now all the ones that are coming up are saying, oh no, that really is an Alan thing. Or that really is my grandmother's thing. <laughs> you know? oh, I see, I see. Um, I see. But there were, um, there was that. And it's like my siblings grew up in a black community, you know, and they were part of it. So there was a, there was a real, there's, quite a bit older than me and there was so there was a real distinction from how they were treated in one in one arena 
versus another arena. Right, right. But you grew up more in a homogenous area, you know, with high right. school and everything like that. Yeah. One of the things you said uh, when we were talking earlier was that you always felt like you had to make other people comfortable around you. Tell me a little oh, bit yeah. about that. Particularly in the, when I would, I don't, I don't know exactly what made me start doing it, except that I, I am a recovering people pleaser. Um, Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> well, my mother would probably argue that point, but <laughs> outside of my immediate family, it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that when I would feel. Um, when I would feel that sense of exclusion or di diminishment from others, particularly in the work environment, that then it was that feeling that I couldn't do enough in whatever the job was. And my response was to try and make that supervisor my best friend, you know, like, well, you don't want to see me, you can't see me as, as a good or a valuable employee. I'll, I'll become valuable to you in this other way. And it took me a long time to realize that some part of me thought if I could make them comfortable enough, then they would see. That they would see oh. that you do a good job and you're somebody that can be counted on. Right. Um, but it was, it's, it was, but it didn't, you know, I mean, I'm retired now. It, it never worked. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think there were times thing. I deluded myself that it worked, um, you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah, but there did come, there did come that place where, I finally got that it was not, it was not me making up for me. It wasn't, it wasn't that I had to make up for me. Right. It wasn't, it just wasn't mine. But that is, that is, I'm sure I'm not the only, I'm not the only black woman who's, who's taken that route. Well, and, it's not the first time I've heard I have to work harder than uh, my white counterparts or my yeah. male counterparts. For I mean, oh yeah, you got, you got the double trouble. You're white and you're black. I mean, you're a woman right. and you're black. Yeah, you know, as a and, woman, you have and, to. And and I'm combative, so it was that I was I will. That means I will only do half as much because you're not going to make me do that. I'm not oh, having yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Just not, you know. So how um, about working in the how about working in the retail field yourself and being probably um, the only black woman behind the cash register and most of the customers would probably be white, considering the uh, that you did that retail work? Yeah, there there's a pretty yes. That's that's true. Most of the most of the customers are, but there is a pretty significant in the herbal community. There's there's a pretty significant um, black and Caribbean 
um, customer base and population. But it was it, it, it's been abundantly clear that it was it was a pleasant surprise when they saw me. You know, there was a gravitational, but it is um, for me in the in the retail. It is there hasn't been that much of you know it it fades it fades for me as I get older it um I think it's it's an American thing you know your 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 power base your threat level your you know you become more and more neutralized the older you get particularly as a woman yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, in the retail experience, in, in, you know, in the herbal community, it's been my, the biggest difference that I've, I've noticed is that customers of color have a level of relaxing that they didn't, you know, there's an expressing of, yeah. oh, well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I can really talk to you kind of thing. And they can let uh, their guard down. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you're seeing it from the other side, which is really interesting right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I also hear about microaggressions, like, and I'm sure you probably got some of those when you were in school as well, but, you know, it's the, um, oh, you're so articulate. Oh yeah, you're so well spoken. Or oh, how did so, how did you do that to your hair? You know those things yeah. that we as who are socialized white don't realize. Like for me, a big thing I learned by doing these conversations with other women, uh, women of color, is the word "gal." I had no idea that "gal" was for many black women uh, relates back to a house gal, which was a slave. Uh, yeah, uh, designation, and that uh -huh. when someone calls you gal, it, it gives you. I don't know if that's true for you, but it, I've heard it from multiple people. So there are little microaggressions that we hear all the time. So yeah. in, in considering that, what would you say to people who want to raise their awareness, white people in particular, because this is a white problem, racism. This is one that we've got to do something about. What would you suggest to people so that they could raise their awareness, uh, just see where they may have racial tendencies that are racist? Anything you would suggest? For me, it's always, let's have conversations about this stuff. Yeah, to have conversations about it, to, to work on actually, to recognize that there are places that you, go where you are heard, where, um, what's the difference? The, to, where you are welcomed as opposed to being tolerated and that, that to take that privilege and use it to be an ally. Ah, use it to be an ally. And that's exactly what we're doing. I mean, that was, the most powerful thing that I remember when I was in high school was that I had a best friend who was Dutch, you know, classic blonde haired, blue eyed, 
we're in a class where a guest, a guest speaker had come and she was from Columbia Teachers College. And she tried to give us this lecture on how slavery really wasn't that bad and how much more difficult things were for black people after the abolition of slavery. And I was, I mean, I think I, I was still, when I think of it, it just struck kind of dumb, like really, like when is the punchline coming? This can't really be happening. And all of a sudden realizing that if I said anything, there was, there was a level that would not be heard. And just as that was going through my mind, Sarah, who was my best friend at the time, jumped up and pitched a fit. Was just like, I can't believe this actually, have you lost your mind? And, and she was, and I watched this woman who was standing and she was a young woman. She was probably still in her twenties. And um, I was like, oh my God, she would not have heard any of that if it had come out of my mouth. You're right. You're right. And that was, uh, you know, it's, it's that when you see some, it's the, when you see something, say something, yes. you know, there, you know, those, you talked about the microaggressions there and, and, you know, the little jokes that are said or something that for me to say something is about me personally, and it's about me getting my feelings hurt. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's different when it comes from. Right. For me. It's different from it you. It comes from it's a white different. woman, this is wrong. It's, it's actually right. taken with more value. Right. Yeah. I mean, not every time, but it is that, that that's where that's where the change can happen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for reminding us all of that because that's where we can come in. When yeah. you see something, say something. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the truth. When you see something that's not right, say something about it not being right. Because yeah. Sydney won't be taken seriously. You're right, it'll be about you. So, Cindy, thank you so much for being oh, with you're us. You're very welcome. For sharing thank your you. experience and your thoughts. I appreciate you so much. And I appreciate you. This was great. Wonderful. Great to have you. And thank you, everyone, for watching. I appreciate you all being here and being the change you want to see in the world. Like Sydney says, it's about taking our white privilege, which we really do have simply because of the color of our skin and using it to be advocates for those who are being uh, treated differently and not treated in a good way. So thank you Trish, all. For, yes, I want to catch you on one thing. Yes. You're in that advocate, Yeah. Did in the ally versus the advocate. Gotcha. We're here. Well, you can't find the mirror. And in the advocate, it's, it's 
it's, it's, it's that parental thing. Yeah. I got you. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's it right there. I'm writing it down. It's not an advocate. It's an ally. Yeah. But yeah. I just got another aha. <laughs> Every single week we get ahas. And that's yeah. what this is about is for us to get ahas so that we can be an ally. So we can make the difference. And so we can be the change. Sydney, thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, you for hearing it. Yes, my pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you all for being with us. We'll see you again next week for another sister to sister. <laughs>